Hi, welcome to my newest podcast, A Socialist Turtle. <laughs> Get it? And in this podcast, I will essentially be going over socialism, socialist ideals, and dissecting recent events, politically, political events, from a socialist perspective. And I decided to make this podcast because after being a socialist for a while and noticing the way that this very beautiful and loving ideology is portrayed in mainstream media has been horrific. And I want to combat that and bring to you, my listener, ideals in digestible ways trying to explain to my best to the best of my ability aspects of socialism so welcome and let's begin In order to explain a socialist worldview it's important that we establish a philosophic foundation Socialists believe that all members of society should be equal to each other and that everyone, and yes, everyone, has certain fundamental and inalienable rights. This includes both material rights, such as the right to food and water and housing, and immaterial rights like our right to expression and democratically vote. These human rights I'm just going to talk about, we believe that everyone is entitled to regardless of their class, race, gender, sexual orientation, or physical and mental ability. Freedom of speech is one of those things that have been portrayed in the media as something that is non-existing, non-existent in a socialist world, when that is the complete opposite. The right to express your views without fear of serious repercussions such as imprisonment or the death penalty like in the US, a capitalist nation, is a fundamental and inalienable right for all people. This right should not be used however to harass threatened other people because at the end of the day hate speech is not free speech and you tell that to some fucking conservative and they start pissing their pants and crying because they can't call minorities the n-word and other derogatory terms as well as continuing the right to vote and to be elected Another idea that is represented very maliciously in the media. In mainstream media like Fox News, socialism is when one figure at the top controls everyone at the bottom and your voice doesn't matter and your vote doesn't matter. When that is again the complete opposite. Socialism is fundamentally democratic. It's a democratic ideology. Like 
the word democracy comes from the from the Greek demos, which is people, and kratia, which is power, literally rule by the people. Capitalism, however, whilst a progressive step away from feudalism, is inherently undemocratic. And feudalism is this system that worked a lot back in the Dark Ages, where the king owned all the land and gave it to nobles, which then ordered around peasants that they allowed to live on said land. And the workers essentially gave their bodies to the noblemen for, you know, labor. And occasionally, most of the time, they were sent out to fight wars, giving their lives. And keep in mind that capitalism is just a slight progressive step away from that old, outdated system. And nonetheless, I'll continue. The economy, which determines all manners of of things ranging from the quality and availability of healthcare and education to if we sleep with a roof over our heads or out on the street, is not controlled by the people. Capitalism puts the rich in charge of running the economy and thus in charge of our lives. Socialism puts the people in charge of the economy by making the economy democratically controlled. The manner in which is done in which this is done varies from tendency to tendency, but the principle is the same. The economy is too important to be placed in the hands of only a small fraction of the population, the 1%. Democracy, quotation marks, democracy under capitalism, simply choosing between two parties, neither which you particularly agree with, and placing a ballot in a box every four years, hoping that your vote won't be one of the Give or take 3 million which are ignored only to later down the line find out that the politician you voted for sold out to Philip Morris Tobacco Corporation which donated 1.6 million dollars to their campaign fund is not democracy. And the rich do this all the time. They constantly buy out our politicians. They have their greasy fingers in their pockets. Through lobbying, through super PACs, through all these methods. Why do you think these establishment Democrats like Pelosi are extremely rich? Because they're being bought out by corporations. It's a simple thing. And that ends up leading to this plutocracy. The rich are the ones that control the power. that is what we're living in right now. This is why the right to vote and be elected in a free, fair, honest, and open democratic system without career politicians, nepotism, corruption, or bribery is fundamental and important in a socialist world. Those were the immaterial rights that individuals in a socialist 
world would obtain through socialism. Now I will go over the material rights that every single human being deserves, has a right to, like a right to food and water. The world collectively produces enough food to feed all of humanity. In fact, the world produces more than enough food, and yet the number of people undernourished in the world has often been on the rise since 2014, reaching an estimated uh, 815 million in 2016, according to the UN Food and Agriculture Organization. Rich countries not only have a problem with obesity, but are also throwing away metric tons of food waste every day. Corporations have deemed that food which cannot be sold, milk that is a day out of date, tomatoes which are not red or shiny enough, bananas which aren't cooked through enough or crooked enough, is to be thrown out into the dumpsters, and bleach is to be poured on top so that the hungry and homeless don't eat. Why is this? Why, why do we do this? Why do companies like um, Dunkin' Donuts or average grocery stores constantly throw out food which is perfectly good to eat? They throw it in the garbage. And especially during the 20, uh, 2020 pandemic, there were tons and tons of food that were good, that were still good, that were still consumable, thrown out in garbages in garbage cans it got to the point where people would rather dig through that garbage and take off food but you want to know what happened the police <laughs> the big old police guarded the food guarded the trash according to these establishments how is that any in any form a sensible way of living there's no profit incentive in feeding the homeless so why should we is a big question in a capitalist world the profit incentive is at the heart of is at the heart of capitalism completely taking away the human aspect of it capitalism you don't they don't get you don't matter as a human being you matter as as an income of profit but nonetheless I digress to not only deny food to the hungry when you have plenty but to go out of your way to ensure that the hungry won't even eat your trash is a barbaric and inhumane practice. That's why socialists believe in the right to enough food and water to lead to a healthy life is a fundamental right to every human. And another thing, another aspect is social security and housing. Social Security ensures a comfortable living for those who are either temporarily or permanently unable to work due to sickness, disability, or age. That new parents can take time off with pay to take care of their newborn. That no family will be unable to take care of its children for financial reasons. 
and that all people are able to afford basic necessities like housing, food, clothing, phone, and internet. Social security is a requirement for society to be humane and thus it is a fundamental and inalienable right. And like another aspect to socialism is a right to religious practice. Whilst Marxism is a is philosophically a materialistic worldview and thus discards religion as unscientific, there is no doubt that religious practice is a fundamental and alienable right for all people. Houses of worship, be they churches, temples, mosques, and otherwise, should be available to all who desire them. And the right to religious practice is just as important as the right to education. Education being a system which is supposed to help turn someone into a productive, responsible adult member of society should be at the highest quality, changing and adapting to the latest discoveries in social science and available without any charge to all who seek it. From preschool to university, why should we make individuals that are pursuing the betterment of themselves and the betterment of society, why should we put them in copious amounts of debt? It doesn't make sense. In the long term, quality education improves our society in, a, in every measurable way. This is why education is a fundamental and inalienable right. Just as important as healthcare. There is no right more fundamental than the right to life itself. All people, irrespective of race or nationality or religion or educational or residential qualifications, social origin, property status, past activities or wealth have the right to be treated by medical personnel and be given proper medication when they are physically or mentally sick or injured. All medical procedures which are required for a person to live comfortable, a comfortable life without physical or mental anguish should be available free of charge to all who seek it. Healthcare, both mental and physical, is a fundamental right because everyone deserves to live. And healthcare is just as important as employment and payment. With socialism, gone are the days we have to sit back sit back, behind a desk for eight hours a day with the sole purpose of lining the pockets of your CEO. Jobs should ideally be occupations which contribute in some way to the collective well-being of society at large. Every person has the ability to contribute to society, and society will have the resources to pay all workers decent wages. Under capitalism, unemployment is beneficial to the rich. Under socialism, unemployment is beneficial to no one. This is why the right to a job and the right to payment for work in accordance with its quantity and quality is a fundamental and inalienable right. And just as employment, rest and leisure is important 
overworking and stress leads to more sick days, lower productivity, lower job satisfaction, and increased alienation, as well as more cases of clinical depression and suicide. The right to rest and leisure is a fundamental and inalienable and should be ensured by the reduction of the working day from six to from eight to six hours for the overwhelming majority of the workers. Annual vacations with full pay and wide availability of entertainment such as libraries, restaurants, clubs, resorts, and so forth. These are broadly the main fundamentals of socialism. When you see a socialist, do not think of a classist, of a corporatist individual. Think of a person that cares for their fellow man, woman, or person. And that is what socialism is about. And there's a difference between social democrats and socialists. Many European nations practice an ideology known as social democracy. Social democracy is an ideology which supports economic and social interventions to promote social justice within the framework of a capitalist economy. Emphasis on the capitalist economy, and thus it is a capitalist ideology, not a socialistic ideology. Socialism by definition opposes capitalism and seeks to dismantle the capitalist system. While social democratic nations do well in some regards, they are only able to offer things like social security to their citizens due to the availability of cheap offshore labor in the third world and by high taxes on the working class. We socialists oppose outsourcing jobs to the third world nations and we oppose taxes on the general population. We believe in common ownership of enterprise, the productivity of which will be used to benefit all of society, not just CEOs. Taxes and redistributionism only attack systems of inequality, not the cause. Socialists are not social democrats. We are not democrats. We are not Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, or Barack Obama. We are socialists. Many things are said about socialism, most of which are untrue. And I will try to dismantle those ideas promoted by mainstream media to describe and vilify socialism. That is why I decided to make this podcast. interested in socialism, whether you're already a socialist, whether 
you want to learn more about socialism, rest assured that it's not just a trend that young people are engaging in at the time. Of course not. Some of the greatest and most intelligent people of our era like Albert Einstein, George Orwell, yes, George Orwell, writer of 1984, Helen Keller, Leila Khaled, Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, Oscar Wilde, Frida Kahlo, and Paul Picasso, just to name a few, have realized that capitalism is an unjust and unsustainable system that has to be replaced with socialism. In the words of Albert Einstein, I am convinced there is only one way to eliminate these grave evils, namely through the establishment of a socialist economy, accompanied by an educational system which would be oriented towards social goals. In such an economy, the means of production are owned by society itself and utilized in a planned fashion, a planned economy which adjust production to the needs of the community, which would distribute the work to be done among all those able to work and would guarantee a livelihood to every man, woman, and child. The education of the individual, in addition to promoting his own innate abilities, would attempt to develop in his sense of responsibility for his fellow men in place of glorification of power and success in our present society. You should be a socialist. Socialism is us who believe in humanity, who believe humanity must act in a united and organized manner to face the problems that of our generation and beyond. Socialism is for us who are tired of how greed and wealth run our world and how a few billionaires have power to influence the world more than the rest of us combined, us the working class. We workers are not paid our worth. The value that a worker produces is worth more than the wage he's given. His boss exploits him and his labor for profit to make money in the workplace the worker lives under a dictatorship of his boss he does not have freedom of speech he can be fired for saying the wrong thing and there is no democracy the ceo and the board of directors decide any everything these board of directors and ceos that sit on their ass and don't do any work they're not flipping the burgers they're not cleaning they're not tending customers. The workers are doing that. The workers are generally not allowed to make decisions for themselves or for the entire company. That is an important aspect under socialism. Under socialism, all workers are allowed to reap what they sow and receive according to the value of the labor they put in, as well as democratically decide how the workplace is run. The workers are the ones who produce value. They are the ones who should receive benefits. CEOs and other corporate suits don't contribute to the value produced by the company, and yet they are paid hundreds of times more. For a worker to earn as much as a CEO earns in one year, he should have work for over 45 years. 
add on top of this the tax cuts for the rich, CEO bonuses, tax evasion, and offshore bank accounts, and the fact that eight people own as much as 50% of the entire world's population, and we'll get a pretty, a pretty clear picture of how just unfairly our current economic system is structured. But it doesn't look this way on accident. Capitalism was made to be unfair. Capitalism isn't a democratic system. discussing capitalism I'm sure that begs the question what is socialism when most people in the Western world including North America and Europe hear the word socialism they think of Scandinavian and Central European welfare states that have high taxes and different forms of social security social security nets it is a common misconception that these countries are socialistic the correct term to describe these countries is social democracy, which is a revisionist form of socialism that does not advocate for a transition to a socialistic mode of production. These countries are by all accounts still capitalistic. They advocate for reform of the current status quo, not the complete transition from capitalism to socialism. So then, what is what socialism, socialism is actually? is a political and economic theory of social organization which advocates that the means of production, distribution, and exchange should be owned and regulated by the community as a whole rather than by private individuals. Socialists believe that workers have the right to reap what they sow. For example, that they have a right to, va to the value that they produce, and that capitalists who do nothing but own businesses, factories, corporations, etc., do not have any right to steal value from the hard-working laborers. Socialism is inherently an anti-capitalistic ideology, and socialists believe that capitalism is an outdated system that has to be replaced in order to, for the working class to achieve true freedom from oppression and exploitation. Socialism can also be used as an umbrella term describing a collection of ideologies that advocate for a socialist mode of production. And this includes, but not limited to, anarchism, communism, democratic socialism, libertarian socialism, syndicalism. <coughs> syndicalism. Most forms of socialism are based on, or are at least inspired by, Marxism. But then that begs the question, what is the difference between a social democrat and a democratic socialist? Simply put, a democratic socialist advocates for a transition, whether revolutionary or, reform or reformistic, from the capitalist mode of production to the socialist mode of production, accompanied by a democratic system, whereas social democracy advocates for a better version of capitalism achieved through reform of the current status quo that allows for government ownership of mostly non-profitable parts of society, as well as social security nets and welfare paid for, the, for, the, for <clears throat> welfare paid by raised taxes.
What is wrong with social security nets and welfare? You might ask? There's nothing inherently wrong with these things. In fact, socialists want more welfare and social security for the people. Socialists want to ensure that everyone has a place to live, enough food, water to lead a healthy life, as well as free access to good schools and hospitals, among other things. Parental leave, work safety laws, paid sick leave, paid vacation, etc. The problem most socialists have with social democracies which are famous for providing their citizens with these luxuries is that they firstly only provide some of these things for their citizens. Social democracies don't provide free housing, for example, and those things are paid for mostly through taxes. High income taxes goes directly against the socialistic idea of letting workers reap what they sow by taking hard-earned wages from the proletariat the working class and the middle class. Social democratic states become no better than the capitalistic states, which uses the method of primitive accumulation to leach profit from the workers. And then, um, broader term is Marxism. But you're wondering what Marxism is. Marxism is a worldview and a method of societal analysis, as well as a collection of political and economic theories that were developed by Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels. Marxism focuses on class relations and societal conflict, and uses a materialistic interpretation of historical development a dialectical view of social transformation. Marxist mythology method, methodology uses economic and social-political inquiry and applies that to the critique and analysis of the development of capitalism and the role of class struggle in systematic economic change. While socialism and communism existed before Marx, he and Engels were the ones who turned the utopian dream of a perfect society into a practical science. Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels are alone responsible for popularizing socialism and communism throughout the world, and it is safe to say that socialism would have been remained an impractical utopia near impossible to implement ideology without Marxist analysis. This begs the question, so then what is communism? Well, communism is a social, political, and economic ideology and movement whose ultimate goal is to establish a communist society. Communist society is the last stage of socialism from a, from a materialistic perspective of history. It is defined as a socioeconomic order structured upon the common ownership of the means of production in absence of social classes, money, and the state. The term communist society should be distinguished from the western concept of the communist state the latter referring to a state ruled by a party which professes the variation of Marxism-Leninism. And in Marxist theory, socialism is a transitional state between the overthrow of capitalism and the realization of communism. Communism is a higher stage of socialism, and socialism is a lower stage of communism. Communist, quote-unquote, communist countries such as China, Cuba, Laos, Nepal, and Vietnam have never claimed to have achieved communism, but are communistic in the sense that their goal, or at least their 
stated goal is the establishment of a communist society. So then, again, this begs the question. So communists are socialists? Yes. All communists are by definition also socialists, but not all socialists are communists. Most socialists agree that theoretically communism should be the next mode of production after socialism. But different socialistic ideologies have their own ideas of how or for how the society should be reached and what it would look like and if it can be reached at all. In addition, many socialistic organizations and political parties no longer want to be associated with the word communism as the Soviet Union and Eastern Bloc essentially changed the meaning of the word communism from a stateless, moneyless, global society without private ownership of the means of production into a state governed by a Marxist-Leninist political party. So I have to clear up this idea that socialism is inherently undemocratic. Because I'm pretty sure you've probably been told that it's not. Democracy during no stage of socialism during no stage of socialism is a dictatorship necessary. Socialists do, however, advocate for a so-called dictatorship of the proletariat, which I've discussed previously which should not be confused with an actual dictatorship. That being said, many socialists believe that it is impossible to achieve socialism through bourgeoisie democracy, like a liberals or parliamentary, because those systems were designed by the rich in order to keep the rich in power. But it is not true that socialists don't want democracy. In fact, socialists want more democracy than there already is. Socialists want a true democracy where every individual, every individual's vote and opinion truly matters. Socialists don't want more direct democracy. But also want for more democratic control of the means of production. That is, allow all workers to democratically decide how their place is run, what is produced, how much it should be it should sell for, and so on. And I must clear up that Nazi Germany was not a socialist state. Although the Nazi party was called National Socialist, it was not socialistic. The Nazis promoted a a corporatist and class collaborationist ideology, which they termed socialist, in an attempt to gain working class support. Socialism was a hugely popular idea in Germany at the time. In practice, Nazi Germany privatized most of the economy, made independent labor unions illegal, placed communist socialists and social democrats in concentration camps, along with other under undesirable citizens such as Jews, people of color, handicapped people, and etc. Nazi Germany used the popularity of socialism in order to gain detraction and support from the working class only to turn around and stab them in the back.
and there's very popular myths myths about socialism slash communism that essentially <clears throat> no one would be allowed to own anything under communism and if you're afraid that the communists are going to break into your home and take your xbox because private property should should have been abolished you can sleep you can sleep easy knowing that private property is not the same as personal property private property re- refers to the means of production factories machinery whereas personal property refers to things you the common person own your house your car your xbox all all your personal property and belong to you like i defined it previously and no communists are all for workers getting the credit they deserve so janitors and doctors would not be paid the same by the simple notion that a doctor contributes more to society than a janitor does so therefore the doctor gets more than the janitor but they both still need food water a home healthcare education maybe a car etc the doctor however might get some nicer items more vacation time more days off fewer hours and other non-monetary benefits there's also this aspect that unimportant positions such as janitor might not even exist under socialism or communism and that the duty of cleaning up would be shared among all the people within a certain community like a workplace or community like a workplace or neighborhood for example yeah. and ultimately communists want to abolish money completely However, the abolishment of money would not come at the same time as the abolishment of capitalism. It's a step. It's steps. Steps are necessary. Money would still be used in a socialist society. Probably for a hundred years, a quite important part of socialism is that the workers would no longer be exploited by their employers and could freely enjoy the fruits of their labor. For some time, this would probably manifest itself as money that could be spent to buy consumer goods, video games, cars, cigars, good, good food, etc. Whatever it is the common people would want. If socialism becomes the dominant mode of production in the world, and automation, and automation and productivity continue to increase at its current rate, the need for money as well as states will wither away. At this point, socialist society will start transitioning into a communist society. So, essentially, that is overall the general aspects of communism. I will surely go over later in the future, you know, these myths of how communism, socialism has failed and how it won't work because of human nature. Don't worry, I will go over that in the future. But this is basically just the socialist aspect of this episode. I'm going to further talk about capitalism. <clears throat> capitalism in a bit. So, hold on. And um, before I continue, I wanted to define some important terms that I feel you as listeners should have in mind. Capital 
is the wealth in the form of money or other assets owned by a person or organization or available for purchase such as a starting company or investing. Means of production are the means of producing goods and generating capital like machinery, factories and other workplaces. A capitalist is an owner of said means of production. The capitalist owns machinery, owns the factories and other workplaces. And now the two classes, the bourgeoisie and the proletarians. The bourgeoisie is a capitalist class that owns most of society's wealth and means of production. Synonyms include the capitalist, the upper class, the 1%, the aristocracy, and those filthy fucking lazy rich bastards, etc. The proletariat is a working class that owns nothing but their own labor that they have to sell to capitalists in order to survive. Synonyms include the working class, the 99%, the masses, and the people that produce value to corporations. In the words of Karl Marx, the history all of all hitherto existing society is the history of class struggles. Freeman and slave, patrician and plebeian, lord and serf, guildmaster and journeyman, in a word, oppressor and oppressed, stood in constant opposition to one another, carried on by an uninterrupted, now hidden, now open fight. A fight that each time ended either in a revolutionary reconstitution of society at large or in a common ruin of the contending classes. In the early epochs of history, we find almost everywhere a complicated arrangement of society into various orders, a manifold gradation of social rank. In ancient Rome, we have patricians, knights, plebeians, and slaves. In the Middle Ages, feudal lords, vassals, guildmasters, journeymen, apprentices, serfs. In almost all these classes, again, subordinate gradations. The modern bourgeoisie society that has sprouted from the ruins of feudal society has not done away with class antagonisms. It has but established new classes, new conditions of oppression, new forms of struggle in place of the old ones. Our epoch, the epoch of the bourgeoisie, possesses, however, this distinct feature. It has simplified class antagonisms. Society as a whole is more and more splitting up into two great hostile camps into two great classes directly facing each other the bourgeoisie and proletariat continuing the means of production the means of production are physical non-human inputs facilities such as factories machinery tools infrastructural capital and nature capital that allow for the means of production of commodities and the general generation of capital modes of production not to be confused with the means of production. A mode of production is a system that determines what the means of production are, how they are used, and who can own them. For example, slavery and slave-based economies, feudalism, simple commodity production, capitalism, and socialism and communism are modes of production, which dictate how the means of production are handled. Private property is a legal designation for the ownership of property by non-governmental legal entities. 
private property is distinguishable from public property, which is owned by a state entity, and collective property, which is owned by a group of non-governmental entities, such as workers under socialism. Private property further distinguished from personal property. There's a difference between private property and personal property. Personal property refers to property for personal use and consumption, such as your house, your car, your video games, your food, and so on. And that simple notion strikes down that big lie that uh, simplifies communism from your to our. Your personal goods are yours. Collective property is ours. In short, private property either refers to private ownership of the mean of production or private productive property. In a socialist in a socialist society, the people own the factories, and we dictate what happens democratically. You still get your personal property. You know your video games, all that you use. It's still yours. And lastly, dictator dictatorship of the proletariat. I know, it sounds scary, but the DOTP is not actually a, dicti a dictatorship in the sense of Julius Caesar. In the same sense uh, that Julius Caesar was a dictator, Marxists believe that pretty much any society is a dictatorship by a particular class. Although we think of our current society as a democracy, in the Marxist view, it is in, reali it is in reality a dictatorship of the bourgeoisie or the upper classes. This is because the capital, the land, the businesses, the mean of production, and the political process are all under control of the upper classes. The working class is effectively under a dictatorship of the upper class. A dictatorship of the proletariat is essentially a dictatorship of the working class. So the working class would have control over the land, the businesses, and the means of production, and the political process. So there, you know the main terms of that have to do with socialism. Good job. Nonetheless, continuing. In order, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm just kind of sick and my voice is just really, <clears throat> sounds really weird, I apologize, but in order to understand why capitalism is necessary, we have to understand what exactly capitalism is. Capitalism is a current dominating mode of production in the world. Capitalism allows for private ownership of the means of production, like private property, such as factories and other workplaces. Capitalism allows for anyone with sufficient capital to create a business and produce anything they want, without obligation to do any work and without any kind of duty or obligation towards the rest of society. <coughs> Sorry. Socialists do not believe that capitalism is inherently evil or that it never should have been invented. 
on the contrary, if you took a socialist and sent them back to the era of feudalism before the Industrial Revolution, they would, they would no doubt support the establishment of a capitalist mode of production. Capitalism is, has unquestionably increased global production many times over, and increased the living standards of millions of people who have, who have used to work in, in the fields of feudal landlords. But just like te technological advancement moves ever forward, so must society continue to move forward. And we socialists believe that capitalism is an outdated system. We do not believe that capitalism is, an, is the final mode of production. And we believe that capitalism has to be replaced by a superior system. Capitalism is simply a stepping stone towards socialism. Capitalism is politically, economically, and ecologically unsustainable. Which begs the question, why specifically is capitalism wrong? Well, essentially capitalism allows for anyone that has sufficient capital to create a business and produce anything they want. However, with no regard for a democracy in a workplace, equal work participation, like the owner does not have to work, just own the workplace, or indeed how the rest of society is doing. A capitalist, an owner of the means of generating capital, and a member of the bourgeoisie or upper class does not have to care about whether or not their business is producing. They don't have to care whether their business is producing something that is necessary for society. All a capitalist has to worry about is making profit. This is why socialists view capitalism as, among other things, ecologically unsustainable because Earth has limited resources and each country has limited space for a limited amount of factories. Under capitalism, <coughs> sorry, under capitalism, these factories are used for anything and everything that can generate profit not for necessities that society actually needs. This leads to people who live in poverty to be able to afford a, f a smartphone, but not always be able to put food on the table. Capitalist society produces too much of what we don't need and too little of what we do need because a capitalist system is based on profit for capitalists, not human needs. Capitalism inherently excludes human humanity out of the whole equation because profit is more important than lives but capitalists don't decide it's time to stop making money once they reach a certain net worth on the contrary capitalists are never happy and continually seek to make as much money as possible the problem with this is that money is merely a social contract with no inherent value money in itself is not worth anything <clears throat> but instead it represents a value that exists somewhere. But this value is not infinite. Capitalists cannot keep making money forever because eventually they will have taken all the value from the world and would have to start taking money from the poor. And yet this is exactly what has happened. The rich are getting richer. <laughs> I'm sorry. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And I'm sure you've heard, listened to that phrase 10 times over. But it's true. The world's capital, the world's value, has accumulated to among the 100 or so richest individuals in the world. 
and this accumulation is still occurring and this accumulation of capital will simply not cease it will have to be stopped Karl Marx one of the biggest critics through of capitalism and as well as one of socialism's founders has viewed the problems with capitalism workers are paid little while capitalists get richer probably one of the most obvious problem that marx had with capitalism is that laborers who do all the work are paid very little whereas the capitalists get richer the method that capitalists use and have used since the dawn of ca- capitalism is a method of primitive accumulation. The workers produce something for one price and the capitalists sell it for a much higher one, while some while simultaneously shrinking the wages of the workers as much as possible in order to maximize profit. The profit that capitalists make using that method of primitive accumulation is called the surplus value. According to Marx, this profit is simply theft, theft stolen by the capitalists from the hard-working laborers. Marx firmly believed that the workers have a right to value that to, <laughs> to that value that they produce, and that those who work with means of production should alone own the means of production. In other words, Marx believed that those who work in a workplace should collectively own and democratically decide how the workplace should be run. The people allowed to be owners of something that can generate capital are those who actually generate the capital. Capitalism is alienating. Marx understood that work can be the source of our greatest joy, but that capitalism has turned it into something we all detest. Everyone hates Mondays. Mondays is the day we lose the freedom of the weekend to start working. But why do people hate Mondays? Why don't people enjoy the work? Essentially, modern work has us to, has us <clears throat> do one thing all day, but alienate us from what we believe we could really ideally contribute to society. Someone who, someone who might want to write symphonies may have to work in a factory because they need to earn money in order to afford food and housing. And on the other hand, and the and on the other hand, some people who do work with what they feel contributes to society, teachers, for example, are paid very little to do so. Another problem that contributes to alienation is that the modern modern work has become extremely specialized. Capitalists and factory owners don't want master craftsmen to produce the chairs in their fact in their furniture factory. They want to be able to hire almost anyone to produce one leg of, of one chair, and three and three other people to produce to produce the other three legs. Because then it's easy to fire and replace someone if there's a profit to be made or production can be increased with technological advancement. 10 people could be replaced by a computer and one engineer to maintain the computer, leaving 9 people unemployed all for the sake of profit. And capitalism in itself is very unstable. From its very beginning, capitalism is a fool is full of economic crises. Capitalism may dress up 
uh, these crises as freakish and rare and soon to be the last one but this is far from the truth 2018 20, 2008 when we had the recession which was called a once in a lifetime event and then during the 2020 pandemic when the stock market crashed it was also deemed as a once in a lifetime event capitalism is a very volatile system and who has to pay for it us the taxpayers our hard-working money is given to the government and has to save these too big to fail institutions capitalism suffers from a crisis of abundance rather than as in the past a crisis of shortage modern production is simply too effective we produce too much much more than we could possibly consume modern work is so productive that we could give everyone on earth a house a car enough water and food as well as free access to a good school and a hospital but according to calculations by the world food program there are over nine seven hundred ninety five million people in the world who do not have food to lead a healthy active life According to the Global Campaign for Education, over 70 million people don't have access to education. If we, if we were to only produce things we need, rather than, for example, 24 different brands of soap, very few of us would actually have to work. And we could ensure that the common person has what they need to survive. Once people ha have enough food and a place to live, we can start worrying about producing less essential things. So that's basically it for this episode. So that's basically it for this episode. So please keep in mind that I might I might have um glazed over some things, but rest assured that I will go much in depth about these different aspects in further episodes. I'm just giving you a little introductory introduction to what I'm going to talk about and what this shows and what this podcast is going to be about. So thank you very much for giving it a listen. You might, you know, start getting convinced to believe in in socialism a little bit more, but I hope you just know the basic foundation to this so that later on I can go more in depth and you won't be lost. And if you are, I you can uh, let me know and I will explain things that you're wondering. So thank you very much. Have a nice night, nice day, or great morning.